Today on episode 153 of the Juice Box Podcast, I'm speaking with Sarah Lucas, founder of Beyond Type 1. Sarah is on the show today to tell us all about their DKA awareness campaign. You are going to be fascinated by how quickly they are spreading across the country and the world, trying to help doctors and patients understand the signs and symptoms of type 1 diabetes before they've been diagnosed. Awareness like this saves lives, actually saves lives. The campaign is spreading quickly, of course, because of Beyond Type 1, but also because of their volunteers and the people on the ground in certain states and areas that are willing to put their time and effort into reaching out to doctor's offices. Sarah's going to explain the whole thing. If you just listen to find out more about it, cool. And if you think you might want to help, that's even better. Nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. And you know what? No ads for this one because it's the second one in a week. You don't deserve to have to sit through ads twice. I got your back. Having said that, Dexcom and Omnipod, fantastic sponsors of the podcast. There are links in your show notes if you want to find out more. Here comes Sarah Lucas from beyondtype1.org. So Beyond Type 1 was founded in July of 2015 because my, I'm one of four co-founders and we came together because we really wanted to create uh, the, a, a, an organization for people to help them live well today for, you know, we wanted to inspire people. We wanted to provide education and hope. And obviously the path to the cure is an important component of that as well. But we really felt like there was an opportunity to create, uh, you know, a movement, uh, unify a community globally, which we've been very successful, fortunately, um, in accomplishing things to social media and technology. So we've currently got 1.7 million people around the world that we've gathered together in the Beyond Type 1 community. And we are really excited every day to, to continue to build and grow that. That's an amazing number in such a short amount of time, actually. So your, your, your feeling was that those people were out there, they just weren't, I don't want to say harnessed, but they weren't together. Is that... When we think about the type one space historically, it's it's been fractured. I, there are a lot of uh, you know efforts that are. There's a lot of parallel efforts. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of anger in the community. There's a lot of misinformation, and so we thought, could we come in and be a unifying force, bring people together, and help provide them with both what they need to live well with today. But also, what what does the world at large need to know about type 1? Because people still don't understand this disease. It's been around an incredibly long you know, time, and people still don't understand the disease at its core. And for us, that's why we feel like we aren't further along uh, on the path you know, to a cure, is that people still don't understand the disease. We're still dealing with the jokes, the misinformation, the constant comments about, did you eat too much sugar as a kid? You just take your insulin and you're fine. So we wanted to come in and help really bust some of those myths mm -hmm. and then provide the type 1 community with just solid information, solid community, and really then empower them to go out and live beyond their diagnosis, to live their best life. So then my question is that once you did that, because it, that I agree with you, and, and but I'm wondering, once you did that and then you saw all of the different issues that need addressing did it feel like it was fragmenting again? Is it hard to hold it together? I think it's, there's a lot of work to do is what we really see every day. And 
our goal at the end of the day, we, we are a very small team here in Silicon Valley in a borrowed office. We've got a, a few remote employees uh, around the world and, you know, a, a leadership council that is also around the world and very global. And we work together uh, remotely. And we, at the end of the day, are just trying to make things a little better every day because that's that's all we can do. There are so many issues Scott, just between the the misinformation, between, you know, the people dying of of DKA at diagnosis, uh, people not having access to insulin, people not being able to afford their their insulin or their supplies. Um, You know, there's just a lot to do. And some days if we we think about it too much, it's, it's pretty debilitating. So our um, you know, the way that we operate here is we tackle things one at a time, you know, that we can. We try to create scalable solutions, and we're trying to have an impact um, a little bit every day. We then turn around and look at who are the organizations we can partner with, who are, what are the movements and the issues that we can get behind and put our social media weight behind, and how can we help amplify efforts. So while the Type 1 space is very fragmented and fractured still. We do feel like we've been able to make some inroads and coming to, you know, bringing people together, unifying efforts, um, sort of matchmaking, if you will, between organizations, helping people work together a little more, um, you know, just making the space a little more cohesive. But there is definitely much, much work to do. It's, I know that I'm only trying to accomplish like sort of this one thing. And, you know, because you're talking a lot about a lot of like the initial stuff about diabetes. And I, I, I had to focus on, I felt like I needed to focus on one thing. So I thought, I just want people to understand basically insulin, like how to use it to make your days better. Uh, you know, like to, to make better outcomes for yourself in the short term and the long term. And even that is, it's not easy. Like it just, it's, it's a consistent effort. You know, you, you reach a, you reach a big group of people and then, you know, three times as many people are diagnosed the next month. And then, you know, how do you reach them again? And again, social media platforms keep changing what's popular, how they use it. And you're just like, well, can everybody stand still for a second? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I think, you know, the, the beauty of, of Beyond Type 1 is, is that, you know, we are a small lean team like we've talked about, but we have really big tools. We have you know, 12 digital platforms, and we are able to reach people in different ways across all of them. We are also have three of those are, are for the Spanish speaking community. Um, so we're able to serve that population as well. And we know that we have these tools and we use them in different ways. And, and for example, our app, which is, uh, you know, just beyond type one it is the app that we've built. And we use that really to get when we want a finger, you know, when we want a finger on the pulse, we want to take a temperature of the community, we we pop questions into the app, and we immediately get hundreds and hundreds of responses. And so we're able to, for example, we asked a question last uh, week, were you initially misdiagnosed with type two? And 23% of the people who responded were initially misdiagnosed with type two. Wow. So we were able to get that information really quickly, and then that helps us, you know, inform some of the strategies is that we are listening to the community across all forms of social. We are understanding their needs. Their needs, the needs are very different, whether if you're a patient, a parent, if you're diagnosed as an adult, if you're diagnosed in a country where you have limited resources and access, you know, these these are all different problems. And so we're listening to them, we're trying to understand them, and we're really 
really engaging with the community. And that informs almost, in, you know, 100% of our strategy is comes from listening to the community. So it, while it is overwhelming, um, I think what we, we are really able to see is the power of social media and technology. And so when we have you know, either a question or we have an issue we want to get out there in front of people, we're able to do it just in a massive way really, really quickly. And so that that is the part that I find exciting. We're able to, in this new world, we're able to get a message out there within seconds versus if you think about sort of the more traditional models, you you might tell the employees, they might tell your community, they might share that sort of via in person or in a newsletter. I mean, we really have the ability to communicate instantly with the type one community um, all over the world. And it's it's pretty exciting. And you know, this disease is one of the few that you self-manage for life. And so to connect this community again, it brings such power to them. And the one thing we hear every day, all day long is, I, I know I'm not alone now. So many people were isolated before, and now they actually have community, whether it's, you know, virtual or, or in person. And so that, that part is what gives me hope, is that we actually see progress on a daily basis. And the problems are big, but the community is big. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that response a lot, too. Like, I didn't know anybody who had type one, but now I feel like I'm listening to someone every week that does. And Absolutely. It, it's a that huge part of it. connection is powerful. Yeah, for sure. So, okay, so one of the things that you've identified along the way uh, that needs fixing uh, is the <laughs> fact that people go into a doctor's office sometimes, a lot of times kids, but I'm assuming adults as well. And they have flu-like symptoms, which is really they have type 1 diabetes, and they get treated for everything, but nobody tests them, and that leads to DKA, and and how do we stop that? Like, how do you get doctors to say, I mean, it can't be expensive, right? Like, what's it cost to test somebody in an office to see if they have type 1 diabetes? Well, I, I think it's... It doesn't cost a lot, to your point. It's, you know, we all know a test strip, you know, everyone says a test strip's a dollar in the U.S. Or, you know, the urine urine tests are are even, you know, a quarter. Mm -hmm. Whatever they are, if you buy them over the counter. The issue for us is that in the U.S., 40, over 40%, so about 41% of people are actually in DKA at diagnosis. And so what that means is their early symptoms have been missed. Those early warning signs we're all very familiar with, the frequent urination, the headaches, the blurry vision, uh, the, the, you know, in some cases, the heavy diaper for babies. Those, those early symptoms, the weight loss, they have been missed entirely or excused away. And we, we, this is very common. And so what happens is as you're, you progress towards, you know, your beta cells really shutting down and the lack of insulin you know, you build up the ketones in your system. And so this does result, as you're saying, in very flu-like symptoms, nausea, vomiting, loss of consciousness. So we look at this problem and we say, how is it that 41% of people are in this state when they are diagnosed? And we know that in other countries, in the Nordic countries, that number is very low. It's, it's, it's under 10%. Interesting. We also know in some of the developing countries, it's in the 80, 80 to 90%. Mm-hmm. So we at Beyond Type 1 look at this and we say, this is, this is a, a marketing problem. This is a straight-up PR. You know, we can solve this with a, with a really solid and thoughtful PR campaign. And we can raise awareness and just get 
those symptoms tucked away into the minds of parents and school nurses and physicians and their staff. And so when people are coming in, as you say, uh, with flu-like symptoms, especially this season has been horrific with the flu, mm-hmm. that they are at least ruling type 1 out. You very well may have the flu, but you might have something, as we say, that could kill you. And we know that DKA can be fatal, and we know that it also costs millions and millions of dollars to treat people who are in DKA, uh, you know, and that there is a potential for brain and organ failure, uh, brain damage, organ failure and loss of life. And so that to us is, is kind of insane. We should be able to solve this problem. It's a straight up awareness problem. And so that was the idea. Uh, this was very much inspired by, um, Kaisi's death, you know, in, in Utah. And I came into the office one day and I, I, there'd been this image of her, um, brothers carrying her little casket. And, and that was on the front page of the paper in Utah. And I came into the office and said, this is, this is crazy what this family has been through. She was sent home from the doctor three times. And so we look at, that was sort of the initial inspiration. And so we thought, what is the mechanism for, a really widespread campaign. How can we what how can we deliver this campaign to people all over the country and all over the world? And so in the US, the the way that we've chosen to get started is is via a partnership with the American Academy of Pediatrics. And so that was that was we designed a campaign and then we were lucky enough to uh, be introduced to the executive director in Pennsylvania of the American Academy of Pediatrics through uh, two really wonderful parent advocates, Michelle Berman and Debbie Healy. And we essentially walked in and with this well-designed campaign and said, let's work together on this. If you will endorse it and uh, provide the information for your, you know, the members of your academy, all of the pediatricians in Pennsylvania, we'll pay for the campaign. And so we worked with them for a few months to sort of refine it to something that everyone felt great about. Mm-hmm. And then in the state of Pennsylvania, that rolled out in October of 2016. And it's a print and a digital campaign. So the doctor's offices receive a physical, they receive a notification from the American Academy of Pediatrics via their newsletter that this campaign is coming. We then provide a print campaign that is sent to them. Um, and it's, you know, like all things beyond type one, it looks great. And it's, it's really well designed by Sarah Jensen, our creative director. And it is co-branded with the American Academy of Pediatrics in that state. And then uh, they receive a print campaign. And then we follow that up with a custom portal that we build for them on our website that includes additional print materials they can download uh, in 18 languages. Uh, Victor Garber from our leadership council, who you know well, Scott, created video and audio uh, PSAs for the offices to use. And then they have permanent access to that campaign. And so that was how it started. This cold and flu season, just an extra reminder, type 1 diabetes can be like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It can hide behind symptoms that mimic the stomach flu or virus. If left untreated, Type 1 diabetes can lead to significant complications, including death. Ask your doctor about the warning signs and how to screen for type 1 diabetes. Having that connection to the, um, to the Pediatric Society, that, that just makes them take it 
seriously when it's coming through the door. If you just show up and you're sending emails and calling and saying, hey, we have this thing, you're never really going to get that kind of traction. But how? what was the initial, like, because you basically, you, spe- you started it out in Pennsylvania. Would you have called it a success in Pennsylvania? Like, did you see people really, the doctor's offices, paying attention, using the materials, hitting your portal, that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I mean, we do have survey data that shows um, the the teams at the pediatrician's offices are asked to um, provide, you know, to, to answer a survey and provide us back the data so that we understand how this campaign has impacted their office, both um, in terms of informing the staff and making them more aware of type 1, and then also in terms of informing their patients. And across the board, we see an increase in awareness and in the level of understanding of type 1 diabetes, um, you know, w- when we receive this data back. And so it's in varying degrees, obviously, that there's a, um, a really large increase in the awareness among patients that's re- being self-reported mm-hmm. by the, um, the physician's offices. And so we know that this campaign is impactful. There have been other campaigns in other countries. Italy has um, a study that, that does show that, that this awareness campaigns do impact uh, this moment of diagnosis. And so our thought is, can we catch people early enough can we get them started, you know, on um, insulin and, and sort of on their new life with type 1, as opposed to them starting off in DKA, most likely being air-vacked uh, in the ICU? And, and so can we start, can we just sort of take this process back to, we can't keep people from being diagnosed with type 1, but can we keep them from dying? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we, we know that we can. And so we see it every day, the, um, the results in the, that we see from both patients and from the physicians is very, very positive. So you're right. Having the American Academy of Pediatrics endorse this campaign was really part of that secret sauce because it does, people open the envelope, right? When they see it, it's got um, a very clever, uh, you know, endorsement right on the front of the the envelope. It's beautifully branded. And and so it's an interesting, fun envelope people want to open. And then we've got all the materials available for them. And then in every state that we have rolled out this campaign, we have actually, we have stories from the families in that state. We have, uh, you know, the letter is signed in every state by the leading endocrinologists and the leading thought leaders in, in sort of the diabetes space in every state. So it's really a very localized campaign that has been rolled out so far in 18 states in the U.S. It's reached about 22,000 pediatrician offices. Um, they see about 90 million patients a year, those, those 22,000 offices. And um, we, we're continuing to roll it out, but, it, but it is a, there's a process, and it's a state-by-state. State. And so the ED of Pennsylvania speaks to the ED, you know, in the next state over, and suddenly we've got, you know, an introduction there. And so it's really been this wonderful um, campaign that, that has taken, you know, it's a, we're about 15 months in, but it's definitely rolling at a pretty terrific pace. And that's because we're, we're able to utilize volunteers on the ground who are actually helping to see this through their, their local, um, their state chapter. And so, uh, you know, we pay for the campaign. They're working on the access piece of it. And this is just sort of phase one for us. The pediatricians were a natural place to start. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, two things. First of all, I think at diagnosis, it's already such a trauma to begin with. To add the extra trauma of the DK on top of it, it really could, if you think about it, it really could color your first months with diabetes. You know, like there's a difference between rolling into the office, 
hearing something horrible like you have type one, but then going home and being able to process it as a clear headed person who's not in the ER, as a parent who's not thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? How did I ignore this? All that stuff that comes with it, all that guilt and, the, and that pressure. So just alleviating that for anybody is fantastic. Um, you know what I mean? But, but the second thing you said that really that sticks with me is, is that idea of just, it, you know, having people helping is how it spreads. Because like I, right. I, I said to you before we started recording, somebody who had been on this podcast before reached out to me and said, hey, you should really talk about this, this campaign that Beyond Type 1's doing. And then as you're talking, I realized I get notes all the time from doctor's offices that listen to the podcast. And so it's not out of the, it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone in an endo office or in a, in a pediatrician office who has a connection in a state you're not already in, like it couldn't start a fire there. And I guess that really just is how it has to happen. It's, you know, for us, it's been actually a really wonderful progression. It's been a way for us to roll out this campaign that, that it looks the same in every state, except um, on the very bottom is where we do the co-branding so that this asset is the same. It's all the warning signs of type one. It's, it's, you know, ask your physician if this could be type one, but it's, it is the same asset across every state. And that's, that's by design. Uh, we want people to recognize the signs and symptoms much in the way that you see that poster at every swimming pool in the United States that, that shows you how to, you know, give CPR. And so we all can picture that in our head because it's the same consistent asset. And so that was one of the real requirements for us is, is, you know, we had to, we had to be really strict about that and say, look, we, we're not going to change this other than this little logo at the bottom. This is the asset we are providing. We are paying for it. We are going to roll it out there. We, your, your life, it, we're going to make it very seamless for the AAPs. And so that's been a wonderful partnership. Um, and so they, they, this agreement has been, you know, held across 18 states. We've also rolled the campaign out in, across New Zealand. Uh, that was rolled out to general physicians there. Uh, but in the U.S., we've this mechanism of the AAP is how we've we've had to stay focused on it, Scott, because in every state we're in, we get a response back saying, gosh, could you do this with the EMTs? Could we go to the GPs with us? Could we talk to the nurse practitioners? And so for us, from a from a funding perspective, frankly, I mean, we've got it down to about $2.91 an office. Wow. Um, it's a very slick campaign, and, and we're really proud of that. Um, but, you know, we could be going in 100 directions. So we have committed to all of the AAP chapters in the U.S., and then we're going to circle back with what's the next step. Is it the school nurses? Is it the college campuses? Um, and so we're testing very small pilots in, in a couple different states to see what is the next mechanism where we actually can have the same wide-sweeping effect. Uh, because we have a lot of wonderful people who are willing to go hang up a poster in their school or their office you know, or somewhere in their community. But really for us, it's how do we get this campaign everywhere so that there can be no excuses for people not at least taking that finger stick, dipping, you know, doing a urine, a urine stick dip and just double checking. That's really our goal here is to say, can we just rule out type one when people are coming into the, to the office? And they're they're under the weather. And so think of the you know the number of lives we can save. We know is tremendous. Uh, we know that to your point, it's very very traumatic to be diagnosed in in DKA. Not to mention expensive. 
you know, millions and millions of dollars are spent on this, uh, you know, every year. And that, that can all be avoided. There's loss of productivity with parents. You know, the average hospital stay is increased substantially. So it's not just the trauma. It's it's all of that combined. Mm-hmm. And it's really just unnecessary because this is a lack of awareness. Uh, among, you know, both both parents and, you know, you think about the school nurse um, sending kids home with the flu. And so how easy would it be to just email those parents and say, you know, just, just have the physician double check that it is the flu. Um, so for us, you know, the stories of heartbreak are just too, too many. And, and this season we've seen quite a few, uh, quite a few deaths due to missed diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And uh, that upon reflection, people are able to, to certainly spot those early warning signs. And it was just 100% a lack of awareness. Well, how about um, other countries? Would you be open to hearing from people? I'm, I just, as you were talking, I pulled up a, the chart that I have that shows me where people listen to the podcast at. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's even staggering to me. And, you know, the thousands of people in the UK, Australia, Sweden, Japan, France, Germany, Netherlands, Slovakia. I can't believe this. And now that I'm looking at it, would you like people to call you from Mexico, Spain, China? And wow, how are you people listening in China? I don't speak Chinese. Um, but 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 um, I mean, would you power, want power of social media? It really is something. Do you would you really want to hear from like, could you see yourself expanding outside of the US? Or do you want to cover the US more blanketed you know, we, first? It's a great question. We actually have multiple efforts happening, you know, in other countries as well. So uh, next month, this uh, the DK Awareness Campaign is rolling out uh, in partnership with the Mexican Diabetes Federation. And so that that's rolling out to about 1,500 practitioners um, in Mexico. We, as I mentioned, we rolled out in New Zealand in October of last year. And so that was a really tremendous partnership with Diabetes New Zealand. We also happen to have a leadership council member on the ground there in New Zealand who was able to really help facilitate that. So the, the amazing part about this campaign is we've had to uh, we've had to fly one employee to one meeting. And other than that, this has been 100% coordinated by Michelle Berman, our leadership council member, who is the national parent lead for this campaign, and then all the volunteers, uh, both in the states and and in other countries. Uh, We're working uh, on a project in uh, India with one of our global ambassador members, Apoorva. We've got, you know, we do have um, some smaller efforts happening in Wales and in the UK right now. But but to your point, Scott, like, yes, we anticipate this being a global campaign. Mm. To be honest, it's it's 100% fueled by funding. So we've got the campaign. We know how to roll it out. It's in 18 languages already. It's just as we sort of continue to look at other opportunities, um, we'll, we'll want to be able to, you know, to have the budget to, to make it happen. Okay. But absolutely, this is this is intended to be a global campaign and it's already well on its way. So I, in my mind, I was gonna start thanking you for this and saying, this is great, thanks so much, what can people do? But I have another question first. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not kissing your butt, I'm, I'm really serious. You're accomplishing this with eight people. Right. But have you ever wondered what you could do with 16 people or 108 people? Do you Every have any? day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I tell you, we have a wish list in here a mile long, and it's it's really hard. We have an incredible, incredible team, mm-hmm. um, and they are so hardworking. Many of them do not have a connection to type 1. Uh, I, you know, two people on our staff have type 1, but the rest are people who really came into the space with incredible skills and have have 
come to be really, truly passionate about the space and what we can do in it. So it's been really interesting to, I guess, see type one through their eyes in particular um, and understand how people view this disease, the work that we need to do. Uh, Every day we wonder what we could do with, you know, one more person, two more people, uh, 10 more. And so I think for us, it's, it's, you are seeing a very, um, constrained type beyond type one right now. Like we know what we want to do. We, we have an incredible list of, of, uh, ideas that we would love to build out and, and products. And I think that for us, we are only constrained by our finances and by the ability of this team. And so you've got eight people who work, you know, somewhere between 80 and 90 hours a week, they work incredibly hard. We are run like a, a tech startup, uh, you know, here in Silicon Valley. We, we sort of, we say often like we're, we, we look like a lifestyle brand. We're run like a tech company and we happen to be a 501c3. So yeah. at the end of the day, it is all about finances and we are, we are limited in that regard. But certainly we're not limited by our creativity, our imagination, or our desire to change the world. I, I, I've never had this thought before, but while you were speaking earlier, I was like, maybe they'll just like absorb my podcast for me because I just, because the one effort is not that I'm asking you to do that, but it's just, it's that feeling of, we've talked about it before. I have the same thoughts that people have heard me say it before. I know how many people the podcast reaches. I'm coming up on a half a million downloads. But as I look at it and I look at the responses I get back from the listeners, you do feel bad that it's not. 10 times that amount, like, you know, and not for any other reason. It's not like anything would really change for me. It's just that when you see somebody say something like, hey, I listened to the podcast and my A1C went from eight and a half till six, you think, why couldn't I have reached more people with this? Right. You know, and it's 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 heartbreaking. I'm now feeling well, like I'm going to fly out to Silicon Valley, crash <laughs> your office and make people give me pointers about my podcast for a day. Well, first of all, you you are just doing such a tremendous service, and and I think that the tricky part for people is you you can't you know you can't get caught up in how many more I could be reaching. You just have to keep at it every day, and it grows, it right? Does. It does sure. continue to grow, and and we feel the same way. I I think that's the part where we think about what we could be doing, but instead we try to focus on what actually are we doing. But I will tell you, Scott, we've had some really exciting. Things happen. I mean, last year in June, we actually acquired um, two diabetes and S2 diabetes from the Diabetes Hands Foundation. And it really allowed us to start serving the Hispanic community, which was a huge gap for us. Mm-hmm. And then we launched Beyond Type 1 in Espanol in August. And that was, you know, really a, an important moment to us because we knew we weren't touching this this population. We knew that they had tremendous need. Um, in January, we actually acquired... Um, type one run. And so we now have running groups, 61 of them as of this morning, all over the world that are just pop-up running groups for people to meet up and, and just go for a run together and really start to foster that community on the ground in places. So I think we're seeing like as beyond type one, we want to be additive and help amplify people's efforts and, and sort of work together where we can um, and, and really help sort of supercharge people's efforts. Like, you know, the work that you're doing is so important, but you're right. Like, let's, how can more people hear it? Yeah. How can more people hear these, um, these podcasts? And so I think that, that that's where the type one community does need to come together more. We need to see more collaboration. Mm-hmm. We need to see more people willing to uh, work together. Um, and, and I, we say this all the time is beyond type one. We, we love working with, with people who are passionate about type one, but we're not going to go sit in a focus group for a focus group. That's the other thing about us. We are, we are fast 
I'm, I'm sort of, you know, I've been at this 19 years in the, as a parent of a type one and I'm sort of done. I'm like, let's just start making stuff happen yeah. and make, we need to be making more noise. And we're only going to do that if we can come together and sort of have everyone in the type one space get on the same page. And that's what's been brilliant about the DKA campaign is you've really seen the power of people when they are passionate about about just something so simple as let's get this poster in the hands of every pediatrician. Let's get this let's get this campaign in front of parents so that they know what at least to look out for mm-hmm. um, as they're raising their children. And then also in the minds of adults who are impacted as well. They are they are in DKA many times. Um, at diagnosis, you know, just as, as children are. And so we have to sort of tuck these symptoms away for people so that they are really, they can, they can recognize them when they see them. Because these are, these are some of the problems we can solve. But I've really been impressed with people coming together and, and working to make this happen on the ground in their, in their state. And it's been really exciting to see. Okay, so if people want to help you in a different state, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, if somebody hears this and they're from a pediatrician's office, like what's the what's the pathway back to you? So uh, beyondtype1.org, that one is numerical. So beyondtype1.org, if you look under programs, that I it, all about you know our DKA campaign is there, and it gives you ways to reach out to us. You can see if your state is either in progress or has been completed. And again, this is really this concept of going through with the pediatricians is just the beginning. We really want to think about what are those other touch points so that we can really make sure that we are catching people at, at all stages so that we can recognize, you know, that, that people can recognize the symptoms and we can stop death from, you know, misdiagnosed type one. It's just not necessary. It's tragic. And um, it's a problem we can solve. I can't believe you even have that beautiful website up with just eight people, to be perfectly honest. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a lot of magic makers over here, a lot of creative people with a lot of a lot of talent, a lot of heart, and a lot of skill. So, I'm I'm really uber proud of our team, and um, you know, and then our leadership council and and the councils that that work with us, you know, the the incredible volunteers from around the world that we work with. So I'm, I'm really, you know, and then people like you that help us amplify our efforts, Scott, and just really get the word out about what we're doing. We're, we're so appreciative. And, um, you know, y- you are reaching an incredible audience and serving an important purpose. And we're always here to help with that as well. You're very nice. It's a no brainer to be involved with what you guys are doing. So, thank but, but you. thank you very much. I will put links in the show notes so people can click through and not have to remember what you said, but I really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Fan- Fantastic. And you'll see your video of your friend Victor Garber there yes. talking about it might be the flu or it might be something else. People, you know, if you have not it. heard the episode with Victor Garber, to date, one of the nicest human beings I've ever spoken to. Absolutely. Really just, it, I, I, I was just overwhelmed with how uh, at his core kind he was. It, it just, he wasn't pretending. I, I, I could tell in two seconds. It was really something. No, Victor Garber is an extraordinary human and as busy as he is, he's back on Broadway right now and and he's just incredibly busy, but he is always willing to, especially on these campaigns where we know we can save lives, to to sit down and, and, you know, craft a quick video with us, whatever we need. He is really, you know, he's lived with type one over 50 years. He's extraordinary. And, um, you know, he's really an important part of this campaign for us as well. So we're really grateful for everyone who's who's had a hand in it and um, to everybody who's hearing about it. Help us, help us bring it, you know, because we can, we can, this is a problem we can solve. This is Victor Garber. This cold and flu season, just an extra reminder. 
Type 1 diabetes can be like a wolf in sheep's clothing. It can hide behind symptoms that mimic the stomach flu or virus. If left untreated, type 1 diabetes can lead to significant complications, including death. Ask your doctor about the warning signs and how to screen for type 1 diabetes. If you'd like to learn more or even get involved, go to beyondtype1.org. There are also links in your show notes.